0: What's going on, everyone, and welcome into another edition of b Shafe Daily. Brendan Schaefer alongside you here on a Tuesday, August 17th, as the Cardinals bats were bested by Corbin Burns, and who could really be surprised by that one? Welcome into the show, breaking down some Cardinals brewers this evening as... We knew coming into this series that a major storyline was going to be that starting rotation of the Milwaukee Brewers. The fact that they had lined things up so that their three aces, you could argue, were all going to partake in this series against their division rival, the St. Louis Cardinals. Tuesday night, it was Corbin Burns getting things started and the Cardinals had a rough time and you can't necessarily expect anything to get easier Over the next couple of nights, as it'll be Freddie Peralta and Brandon Woodruff that the Cardinals will have to do battle with in the coming days. Three guys with earned run averages below three. Three legitimate Cy Young candidates all on the same team within the same starting rotation. Cardinals were going to have their hands full. We knew that coming in, and that was bore out on Tuesday night as Corbin Burns Pitched really well. Adam Wainwright was good too, but he wasn't as good as Corbin Burns who got through six innings allowing just two hits, no runs, and a couple of walks. Only three strikeouts tonight for Corbin Burns if you're looking for a positive from the perspective of the Cardinals offense. This is a guy who struck out 15 Cubs in a recent outing. Tied a record for 10 consecutive strikeouts in that game. Granted, that is the Chicago Cubs' Not only are they not contending, they might be the worst team in baseball at this point. Came up with a win on Tuesday did Chicago, but prior to that, I believe it was 12 losses in a row for the Cubs. So ever since the trade deadline, they've been a different team, and you got a glimpse of that when Corbin Burns struck them out 15 times. But even against a team that fancies themselves as contenders, Corbin Burns was still very good. He actually had the Cardinals no-hit there for a little while until Tommy Edmond broke it open. It looked, though, like, despite the pitch count, which was around 75 after five innings for Burns, and ultimately he throws 89 just getting through the sixth, Tommy Edman able to get to him there in the sixth inning to make sure the Cardinals aren't on the wrong side of history in this one. But otherwise, there just wasn't a lot going on. It was in that sixth inning that you had Tommy Edmund with a base hit. You had Paul Goldschmidt follow that up, and you thought, okay, this is their chance. And then the plate appearances that you see thereafter – just not conducive to a potential winning effort as Arnauto and O'Neill both pop up on the first pitch. I believe both into foul territory. I know Arnauto's was. O'Neal's, I don't know if it would have been fair or foul. I can't really remember off the top of my head. I just know that once you saw that ball go in the air, you pretty much knew, okay, this inning is over. It was a shame to see at that point in the game because Cardinals were chasing Corbin Burns anyway, apparently, after that inning which you knew that the Milwaukee bullpen was another strong suit for this team. They've got multiple closers. Brad Boxberger came in. That's a guy who's a former closer. He's been a, a kind of a setup man for the Brewers this season. He's got an ERA of two four seven. Then Devin Williams, the St. Louis product, another really quality setup guy for them, ERA of two two eight. And, of course, Josh Hader closes things out with a couple of strikeouts of St. Louis in the ninth. His ERA for the season, 1.70. He looks as sharp as he ever has still nasty. You've got a ridiculous bullpen to go along with a ridiculous starting rotation. It's no wonder the Brewers are on top of the Central Division, and we knew coming into this week that it would be difficult for the Cardinals to make up that ground, but that if they were going to do it, it had to come against the Milwaukee Brewers, and after one game, after one game of a sample size of the remaining 13 games between the Cardinals and Brewers that existed coming into tonight, uh, the early returns are that the Cardinals are going to have their hands full. It is going to be tough. Now you're, of course, 11 games back instead of 10 where you started out on Tuesday when you woke up in the morning. And from here, it's not going to get any easier, as we talked about, with that Dynamite Brewers rotation, to go along with a team that can play good baseball in other departments as well. You've obviously got Colton Wong as their leadoff guy. It was good to be able to catch up with him before the game, had a little powwow with the St. Louis Riders. Colton back in town, and he makes the return with a Brewers team that is built to win, is built to contend this season. And I'll be interested to see if this Milwaukee team, if assuming they win the NL Central, which right now they are definitely poised to do, what they would look like in the course of a postseason series. Because I understand the Dodgers have added pitching and there are definitely have an opportunity to repeat with the way they're set up with their roster. And the Padres have continued to try to add pitching, and they've dealt with injuries. Dodgers as well, with you know, in, in their case, it's Trevor Bauer being on the the commissioner's list or whatever list it is where he's not pitching, and they, you know, paid him a bunch of million dollars to to come there. And in the case of the Padres, you have had some injuries and some things go wrong, and so they've recently had a Jake Arrieta. I don't know that that's going to fix their problems, but those are two teams that went out. They built rotations that they thought would be really dynamic and competitive put them toward the top of the upper echelon in the National League. They've had their issues, and they're continuing to try to, as time goes along, build upon what they have and see if they can't build a rotation that can get them to the promised land where they want to go. The Brewers, though, are really interesting because when you combine the top three they have with their bullpen, and the Cardinals saw it up close and personal tonight with Boxberger-Williams-Hader, and that's just a, a sampling of what they have to offer in the back end of games. Brewers could be really dangerous. I don't know if they can score, maybe on the level of some of the other teams. You know, ultimately Adam Wainwright goes six innings tonight, gives up two runs, scattered nine hits, had a couple of walks. So he was, you know, he did a great job of being able to keep them off the scoreboard. Had some help from his defense. Tyler O'Neill nabbing Colton Wong in the first inning. I thought right then and there that might have been a, a game-changing moment because ultimately the Brewers strand the bases loaded there in the top of the first inning after a great throw by O'Neill. Wong tested him maybe should have known better, was around last year with the Gold Glove Award for Tyler O'Neill in left field. He throws a strike to Yadier Molina at the plate. Throw was maybe a little bit high only because of the bounce, though. You're, as the outfielder, you've got to time that bounce out, and Tyler did exactly that, but it just bounced a little bit high on Molina to where he had to go up and grab it and then swipe down for the tag. Did so in the nick of time. On, on live shot, I didn't know if it actually got him, if they got the tag in time, but on the slow-motion replay, it was like, yep, I'll be damned. He did get him. So a great defensive play by the Cardinals there in the first inning to back up Adam Wainwright. Ultimately, Wainwright strands the bases loaded, able to get out of that first inning with no damage, but then allows a run in the second and in the third. And this is kind of typical of Adam Wainwright's starts sometimes where he'll have a little trouble early on but then settle in. And the trouble that he did have, obviously in the first inning, was able to escape that. In the second, gives up a double to Rowdy Tellez, uh, you know, another hitter for the Brewers that they've acquired, looking to bolster their group and be able to do a little bit more. And then Colt Wong gets a double, uh, kind of a pop-up that falls in and ends up plating a run. I mentioned it, the exit velocity stats on that were, were not all that impressive, but I mentioned, hey, it still counts for fantasy. Do do have Colton on one of my fantasy squads. But, you know, it's not like Wainwright gave up a whole lot. You know, that, that blue double ends up scoring a run, and then there in the third he gives up doubles to Yelich and Omar Narvaez. That allows another run to score, but that's it. That's all he ends up giving up. He settles into his outing from there on. That's pretty typical of what Adam Wainwright does. Had some double plays that helped him as well. Uh, Was able to get out of a a situation there in the fourth inning where he gives up a single to the pitcher. He gives up another double to Colton Wong. Walks a guy, has to pitch out of danger, but finds a way by getting Christian Yellis to strike out than getting a ground ball. So he's able to work through some things. Quintessential Adam Wainwright. It's just, uh, Corbin Burns was a little better. And is that maybe because the Cardinals offense didn't mount as quite uh, much of a charge as the Brewers did? Yeah, the Brewers were constantly finding ways to get on base, wearing Adam Wainwright down. Typically, Wainwright would like to probably go a little deeper in a start than even six. But he's got a streak now of five consecutive quality starts that he continued tonight by going six innings, giving up just two. ERA for the season sits at 3.26. He's been tremendous for the Cardinals, no question about that. You just didn't get any offense tonight. You knew that might be a possibility facing Corbin Burns. You recognize that over the past week, past nine games prior to tonight, prior to Tuesday, the Cardinals had, we talked about it yesterday, had done enough offensively to give their their pitching staff maybe a little bit of a breather in some cases, maybe a confidence boost in others, to say it doesn't have to all fall on your shoulders. We can carry some of the load as well. And they went on a stretch where they didn't score fewer than four runs in any of those games, dating back all the way to the, the Atlanta Braves series, which they were swept in, but still were able to get at least four runs. And that was all the way through until tonight, where they don't score at all, And it just kind of ends up being that wake-up call where you say it was great to be able to beat those teams, the Royals and Pirates. And yes, you do get the benefit of playing the Pittsburgh Pirates again six more times a season. You will face the Chicago Cubs seven times. You'll get a couple against the Detroit Tigers. Otherwise, it's going to get a little bit more difficult, especially as you get into September facing teams like the Mets, Dodgers, and Padres, all looking to contend. You've still got a couple of series remaining against the Reds, who are still ahead of you in the standings, so you appreciate that opportunity. So, like I said, the schedule sets up pretty decently for the Cardinals outside of a couple of tough series there against non-NL Central opponents. But even then, you're, you're glad for the opportunity to play the Dodgers and the Padres because right now those are two wild card teams. So it's all right there before you if you're the St. Louis Cardinals, the opportunity to essentially control your destiny. But when you play like they did against Corbin Burns and the Brewers tonight, it becomes all the more difficult. The Cardinals offense is going to have to find a way to beat good pitching. It's been a problem for them this season. Understandably, it's a problem for a lot of teams trying to you know, get hits off of these Brewers starters. Corbin Burns has a 2.13 ERA on the season for a reason. He's been really, really good. Freddie Peralta, Brandon Woodruff, it's the same story with those guys. So I'm not claiming it's going to be easy. But the way the Cardinals win games in this series, which you you can't come away with a, a, a situation where you get swept. I don't think the Cardinals can leave this series without a win and still have expectations to say, yeah, everything's fine. I mean, that would be... Utterly brutal, especially after the the quality stretch of baseball that they just played on that last road trip. Sweeping it, and then you factor in the Royals series at home the weekend prior. The Cardinals were looking pretty good. This doesn't have to be the the major setback that tanks their season, but you got to—and again, it would be nice to win the series against the Brewers. At this point, given what they're up against, I would say just find a way to get one of the next two. Maybe move a little bit mentally from the idea that you can still contend in the division— because if you split the next two and then you're 11 back, you've lost ground on the Brewers this week. You've also lost uh, time in the standings, time on the schedule. It's like the, the hourglass running out of sand. There are only going to be so many ways for you to make those, those games up. And you might just be overmatched by the Brewers. I mean, they might be the better team. So, at this point, try to come away with a win in the next couple of days. And the way the Cardinals do that is by getting the good pitching that they got tonight. They have to replicate that with either Jack Flaherty tomorrow or... Or it'll be John Lester, I believe, on Thursday. Find you know find those outings where you can be in a 6-7 inning situation, only giving up one or two runs. And then somewhere along the way, somebody offensively has got to step up with a clutch or timely hit because the Cardinals did have a couple of opportunities. We mentioned the opportunity in the 6th inning. Edmund and Goldschmidt did a nice job to set the table there for the middle of the lineup. Exactly the guys that you would hope to have at the plate. Arnado and O'Neill get a little bit too overly aggressive, and they don't work in at-bat the way you'd like to have seen them do against Burns in that situation. Like I said, he only pitched six innings anyway, so it's not like that cost them in, in that they ended up seeing an extra inning of Corbin Burns, which n- nobody probably wanted. But Craig Council knew that in that situation, you've got three of your aces ready to roll, seventh, eighth, and ninth, and so he kind of threw at the Cardinals what the Cardinals would like to throw at other teams the equivalent for them of Henesis Cabrera, Giovanni Gallegos, and Alex Reyes. You could argue the trio for the Brewers is actually better than the one the Cardinals have had, and that's been a strength for the Cardinals. I'm just saying that based on ERA, you look at the numbers, especially of late with some of the issues Gio has had and and Reyes, a couple of hiccups here and there. Uh, The Brewers crew is uh, definitely dynamic in the back end of games. So they figured out, we don't have to try to stretch Corbin Burns beyond... Any level of comfort he got out of the sixth, that was his first real jam. Let the bullpen take it from here. But if you're Aronado in that spot, you'd like to see him work the count a little better. And the same thing with O'Neill, especially after seeing Aronado kind of have the early pop up, you'd like to see O'Neill work a count a little better. But not the best night uh, of O'Neill's career either, with uh, the strikeouts starting to creep back into his game uh, 0 for 4 with 3 Ks. Um, O'Neill was responsible for half of the Cardinals' Ks almost, 7 Ks as a team. Carpenter struck out in a pinch hit at bat. Bader, tough night, 0 for 4, 2 Ks. Um, and then Austin Dean had a, a strikeout as well. So most of the lineup, uh, the regulars doing a nice job of, of being able to work and, and stay out of those strikeout situations against Corbin Burns, a guy who is absolutely dynamic in that way. And then you get into the bullpen, they had four strikeouts in three innings. That's to be expected against the three guys that Milwaukee threw at you at that point in time. It's just about can the offense find a way against quality opponents. We've, we've had the conversation enough times this season to say, oh, the Cardinals said after the game they had to tip their cap to the opposing starter because he just did a nice job or tip their cap to the, the opposing pitching staff uh, because the bullpen came in and they, they threw well and they we, we couldn't do anything against them. We've heard that narrative from the Cardinals this season. We've talked about the fact that it's okay every once in a while you understand that those things are going to happen. Some days, the opposing pitcher is just going to be better at their job than you were at yours. That's going to happen throughout a season. It's going to happen multiple times. But there was kind of a period there where the Cardinals were tipping their cap arguably a little too often, and they were tipping it toward pitchers who you would say, I don't know if you can really say that about that guy. You probably should have found a way to grind against them a little better. Come up with uh, four runs instead of one or two the way, or, or zero in the case of tonight. Although we'll talk about, you know, Corbin Burns, a legitimate name that you can say, yeah, you tip your cap to that guy. But at some point, the Cardinals can't afford to tip their cap to each of the Milwaukee starters in this series because that will mean they will have gotten swept and they will have lost some considerable ground in the standings, not only in the division, which at that point would be a non-starter, not a thought, not possible to be 13 back in. You're looking at the team that, that that you're chasing, and say, yeah, they just swept us, but we still have a chance. No, that's just not realistic. But also in the wild card, because you lose ground on the Padres and and the teams that are ahead of you. Like the Cardinals are not directly behind the Padres; they've they've still got to catch the Reds. Teams in the the NL East are still trying to to jostle for position as well. In the realm of where the Cardinals are at, which is four games above 500. So they're within striking distance. The Cardinals still, you know, one game tonight on Tuesday that featured maybe a not an altogether unexpected result given the dominance of Corbin Burns. If you listen to B-Shape Daily for long, you know that he's one of my guys. I mentioned early in the season that when I started collecting baseball cards, I'm like, I'm going to pick a hitter and a pitcher, non-Cardinals, that I would like to just get as many of their baseball cards as I, as I can even if it's a an expensive kind of card. It doesn't have to be an autograph, though I do have a Burns auto. But I just wanted to start collecting those cards because I thought those two players, Corbin Burns was the pitcher I chose, uh, Trent Grisham, the hitter, chose two National League guys, which may be not surprising because we do watch more National League baseball when you follow the Cardinals. Those are two up-and-coming players that I wanted to target, and Corbin Burns is not disappointed. There was a moment where kind of around the sticky stuff all coming down. He had one kind of mediocre start, maybe two in a row, where it was like, uh-oh, is Corbin Burns a fraud? That's going to be sad if I just bought all his baseball cards. But he's not a fraud. He's been tremendous, 8-4 and four record, ERA, down year two, an absolute bonafide Cy Young candidate. And, you know, he's just been really, really great. And so it's not altogether surprising that he was able to beat the Cardinals, Adam Wainwright actually thought when he did his postgame Zoom tonight, he mentioned having faced Corbin Burns once earlier in the season and said, yeah, I think I was the loser in that game as well. Pitched well, but Burns was just a little better. He was right that Burns was just a little better, but it was actually the home opener for the Cardinals that those two matched up. And Corbin Burns did not get the win in that game because Nolan Arenado hit the late home run. And so it was kind of interesting that Adam Wainwright misremembered that a little bit. I feel like as a starter, you probably are of the mindset that if the opposing starter, you know, if you leave the game and you're trailing and the opposing starter outpitched you, you kind of feel like you lost that game even though that was one of the signature wins of the Cardinals' season coming right off the bat in that home opener against the Brewers. But Wainwright tonight, again, you know, he, he, he did everything he needed to do, especially considering that he had a little bit of, I don't know if he it bad luck, but some balls were finding holes against him, but he found a way to prevent those from mostly turning into runs so great job by Wainwright your offense has to back you up at some point didn't get it done tonight Cardinals will be looking to change those fortunes tomorrow on Wednesday when Jack Flaherty has a big test in front of him taking on the Brewers you do get this game at home but if you remember last year the 2020 COVID season was a a rocky one for Jack Flaherty but a lot of his quote-unquote struggles or issues you can trace back to one outing that happened in Milwaukee where he gave up like eight or nine runs it tanked his ERA for the season otherwise he had an ERA down near three very Jack Flaherty-esque but in that one game against the Brewers there was a lot of weirdness going on there and so gonna be a big test for Jack Flaherty facing this Brewers team once again to see how he fares but Freddy Peralta is going to be a, a madman on the other side as well he comes in with a 9-3 record, 2.26 ERA, and 162 strikeouts on the season. He's another guy who gets his punch-outs in bunches. Can the Cardinals find a way to take good at-bats against him and try to find a way to scratch across a couple of runs, turn things over to your elite aces at the end of the bullpen? Card- I mean, if the Cardinals are leading after six innings, Jack Flaherty gives you six innings of two-run baseball, and, you- and Cardinals find a way to come across three runs against Freddie Peralta, I think the expectation will be Cabrera, Gio Reyes 789 Cardinals try to use that formula to come up with a win I think tomorrow's their best chance to do it no offense to John Lester but uh, you know I I don't think they fare as well in that pitching matchup on Thursday when you've got Brandon Woodruff on the other side so not that the Cardinals can't win that game they could certainly win both of them if they if they come up with a, a little more of an offensive showing but right now it's up to Jack Flaherty to be to be Jack Flaherty and to take on Freddie Peralta and come out on the other side with a W Cardinals 61-57 61-57 on the season, the Brewers looking like a dynamite team that is poised to run away with the Central. Cardinals looking on Wednesday to, at least in a small part, prevent them from doing so, so easily, is the way I would say it. So we'll see how that ends up going for the Cardinals on Wednesday. Dylan Carlson, news from Tuesday, he's on the injured list. That risk that he's been dealing with, it isn't better, and the Cardinals decided they couldn't wait around for it to be better because they've got Paul DeYoung also dealing with a little something. He was not in the lineup on Tuesday either, and so the situation ultimately for the Cardinals, the decision was, got to IL Dillon. Austin Dean makes his return. He actually had a wrist issue that he's been dealing with for the bulk of the season. Remember, Austin Dean started out with the Cardinals in April, had an OPS in the low 700s, was optioned early May to Memphis. Shortly thereafter, he hurt his wrist. He's been on the I.L. in the minor leagues for most of this time. Made his return earlier this week to the active roster with Memphis. With the deal with Carlson happening, Austin Dean gets the recall. He did have an at-bat in the game on Tuesday. And it'll be interesting to see kind of how the Cardinals approach lineup construction, for one, when you've got DeYoung nursing a situation and you've got Dylan Carlson now on the I.L., For Carlson, it was just a matter of he he couldn't get the soreness out of his wrist. They tried to rest him. He didn't play at all in the Kansas City series. Mike Schultz said on Tuesday that Monday he came in on the off day, swung a bat, had a good workout, but then Tuesday wakes up and the soreness, is the recovery factor was just not there for Dylan, and the Cardinals just couldn't afford to wait on him any longer. So they'll be without him for the next few days at least. I believe I saw retroactive to August 14th. I think the 12th is the last day that he played, so I, I would have thought the 13th, but perhaps I missed something. But nevertheless, Cardinals will be out without Dylan here for a little while, and they'll have to find a way to muddle on. And, and you're seeing alongside that O'Neill and Bader maybe coming down a little bit offensively. O'Neal had a good stretch. He obviously homered over the weekend, got the OPS at 846 at this point. He's staying a little bit steadier than he had been, and right now it's a good battle between him and Arenado. He's a little bit above Nolan for the team lead in that category. We've seen Bader come back down to earth, and so interesting to see kind of how the Cardinals' offense functions over the coming week, but in particular in this series against the Brewers where you really do need to find somebody to step up, come up with some runs to get the Cardinals at least one of these wins. Did want to mention before we got out of here, Cardinals' bullpen looked pretty good tonight. Again, this was a 2-0 game. Cardinals were trailing, and so it, you're going to put in a different group of people that you, than you'd put in if you were in the lead or tied. But the fact that the group of McFarland, Luis Garcia, and, and even Andrew Miller with a quality outing tonight starting to maybe find a little more reliability. I know McFarland and Garcia both gave up base hits, a uh, total of four between the two of them, uh, but no runs for any of the relief pitchers tonight for the Cardinals. If the Cardinals can find ways to remain in those games, like they did tonight, the offense would obviously still need to click to be able to bring it back. But that's just not something they had earlier in the season. And, you know, you go digging for bargains and for guys at the the bottom of the barrel enough times, it appears that the Cardinals have maybe found a couple of diamonds, at least one. TJ McFarland has looked good. I mean, the ERA at 2.40. And Luis Garcia, we even talked about, I believe, in one of the recent episodes, his ERA down to 3.95. So more good than bad from both of those guys recently. And that can be kind of that... That B team, the B squad, when you have to keep a game close like the Cardinals did tonight, it did give their offense a chance if they were so inclined to to make a run later in this game. It didn't happen ultimately, but I uh, did want to mention that on the bullpen front that the Cardinals are starting to find a way to settle in with that group beyond the the three guys that we talk about on a regular basis in the 7th, 8th, in ninth so positive development there for the cardinals but it's just going to boil down to offense that's really been the case for the cardinals for most of the season we can talk about the starting pitching and what it was or we can talk about the issues the bullpen has had from time to time and the injuries etc but what's the offense going to look like when the cardinals scored four runs at least over the last nine games they won eight of them when they don't score four runs they don't compete offensively as well as you'd like to see uh, they're probably not going to win so going to be interesting to see how the cardinals can stack up over the next couple of days against two quality pitchers for the Milwaukee Brewers. And, uh, you know, they didn't really tax that bullpen all too much tonight. We'll look at the pitch count totals for some of the guys that they use. Hader through 17, Williams 22, Boxberger 12. Um, You know, you may not see some of those guys on back-to-backs, but you have to expect that if they get into a lead situation that they're going to go to their guys and be able to put away the Cardinals and and they'll do so with a smile. So see how the Cardinals respond on Wednesday. It'll be a big game for Jack Flaherty returning to the home confines of Bush Stadium for the first time in a long time. Cardinals fans will get a chance to see him. I did want to talk about something else, too, before we get out of here, because if you listened to last night's episode, toward the end of the episode, I talked about the fact that I thought this game on Tuesday would be one of the more well-attended games of the season, given that it was Adam Wainwright, given that you were taking on Corbin Burns, uh, which I don't know about how much Cardinals fans care to see a great opposing starting pitcher, but to me, a great pitching matchup, it's kind of hard to beat that. Not to mention the Brewers, first place team. You had David Freeze being honored before the game. They drove him around in a truck. Uh, David Freeze, 2011 Cardinals, if that rings a bell to anybody. So there were a lot of factors here that I thought, this is going to be, if you're going to support the Cardinals, now's the night to go do it. Didn't really happen. You know, tickets on StubHub, I was looking up these prices before the game started, like 15 minutes before first pitch, and it was still like six, seven bucks, and lots of seats available for those prices. And so I uh, was kind of surprised. And people and I tweeted about it and people were the, the replies varied. Some of them very funny. Some of them just articulating their reasoning for why they think you know fans are tired of the mediocrity. That's what the front office and ownership has put out. And I, all your reasonings were valid. Like whatever your reason is for not buying a ticket to the Cardinals game on Tuesday night, that's your reason. So I cannot invalidate that reason. But I did think it was noteworthy, uh, especially because it proved me wrong. And I hate to be wrong. But it's okay for me to be wrong. I just wanted to come out and say, yeah, I was surprised to see this. Like, earlier in the season when they finally opened up to full capacity and it was the Marlins on a Tuesday night, and that was the first game and everybody was like, wow, why isn't it full capacity? I can't believe – I was not surprised by that at all. I was on the opposite end of that spectrum saying, yeah, this is kind of what I expected. I didn't think you'd be even close to full capacity because they weren't even raking it in during the partial capacity days. I just didn't expect it to be suddenly this influx. I said, when you get to the weekend, maybe it'll be better. And then it was a little better, but it still wasn't incredible. But by that that time, the team was playing badly. And so it wasn't that surprising that there wasn't this impressive influx of fans coming in for those games. Tonight, though, I was surprised. It was the first time I allowed that to happen where I anticipated there would be a certain crowd, and there wasn't. Yes, it's back to school. Game started 30 minutes earlier. Cardinals, you know, make those changes to try and accommodate fans with back to school and everything going on. Um, but I don't know. It was a late, late arriving crowd. It still did never fill up that much. Cardinals announced twenty eight thousand in change. I would have been surprised if there were twenty two in the building tonight, just from what I saw. Granted, we're sitting behind home plate, and, and so I can't really see underneath me where a lot of the fans probably were filling in the seats. But man, the outfield, the upper deck, the bleachers, the the corners. It was it was not what I would have expected, considering it's Adam Wainwright, or Molina. But but I think you know again. The fans have their reasons, and I'm not indicting anyone for their reasons. COVID is obviously still a reason, you know. Depending on where you are on that, all that it, it's a reality that it's surging and it's back, and and you know maybe that's that's keeping some people away from the ballpark. I wouldn't question that, and I wouldn't doubt that it's it's people saying, yeah, I'm just kind of apathetic at this point because I, I thought you know the front office or ownership or whomever should have done more, you know, to try to build a winner for this season. I mean, you could just look at the uh, across the diamond tonight to see Colton Wong leading off for the Brewers and whacking a couple of doubles and doing a great job, having a great season. Uh, that, that's really all you might have to look at to say, yeah, that, there are people probably out there, Cardinals fans, who said, you know, I love that they got Nolan Arnado, That's great, but, you know, just to look at how Colton Wong would fit into this team and knowing that they didn't make any splashy moves at the deadline, I'm kind of out on it. I'll, I'll keep watching. I'll keep tabs on, on things, and if they make a run into the postseason or, or, or as the uh, end of September, October approaches, and it looks like that could be within play. Yeah, maybe then I'll consider jumping back on board. But for right now, they kind of have to show me something. I think that may be where a lot of fans are. And I wasn't trying to indict anybody to talk about it. But it was noteworthy to me because I totally expected there would be a bigger crowd. And there just wasn't. So I did want to mention that before we got out of here. But I appreciate you all. If you're not going to the Cardinals games, that's okay. As long as you're listening to B-Shape Daily, you know, you know you've know, you got my back. I've got yours. Appreciate you guys out there listening to the show. Make sure to subscribe. you got to do that. At Spotify. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, doesn't matter where. Just do it and make sure you get your daily dose of B-shaped daily, and you can keep tabs on all things St. Louis Cardinals throughout the remainder of the season. Appreciate you guys so much, as always. We'll be right back at it after Wednesday night's game. Jack Flaherty, Freddie Peralta should be another great pitching matchup, and pretty clearly tickets are going to be available. So wherever you like to find your baseball tickets, check it out if you're free on Wednesday because that could be another interesting matchup. Get a chance to see Jack Flaherty back in action at home for the first time since May. So, appreciate you guys once again. We'll talk to you tomorrow on B-Shape Daily. Peace.